0: We've kind of transitioned from the, I'd say, the send a letter and wait for a response to let's just try to get a response right away and build a relationship.
1: Yeah, I love text marketing. I love text marketing, especially for like foreclosures and people with really short term times of just saying like, hey, you're you're scheduled for foreclosure in a couple of weeks. Have you you thought about selling your house? Yeah, you know, and and the you get the people that do reply back are very quick. They're very interested Uh, when you get on launch control. How do you get. How are you finding your leads? Like how are you first getting your leads to be able to send a text and then, what is your first text like when you send it out? So
0: we use, um, launch control, uh, launch control prop stream, uh, which goes into launch control. So we'll pull that raw, that raw list from launch control And, and we're focusing on rural property. So I keep it, I keep the filters pretty minimal. Um, we'll do a, a minimum lot size, which we do 30 acres. So we got to convert that the square footage and stuff for PropStream. Um, and then we usually do out of county, um, or out of state and we'll pull that list, download it. Um, our VA's will upload it to launch control from there. They'll skip trace it and then load it right into a campaign, um, to get that first message message out, which in launch control, you have to have. There's five different messages. Um, four of them have to be custom, and then one's uh, kind of a fallback in case you know somebody doesn't match the the criteria, like the merge fields that you have. Um, and it's a it's a very simple, generic message. You know, I don't want to be a salesy type person. Um, it's more of like, hey, this is Al. Obviously, it'll be the VA's name. Um, Saw you own this property in this county wondering if you entertain an offer for it and it it's super easy just like that
1: so the question is this how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves so that's the question and this podcast will give you the answer I interview agents from all over the world, I ask them their tactics, and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, I'm your host, Aaron Amuchastegui. Today, I get to interview Al Wisniewski. His name looks scary, but I was able to pronounce it first try. He's with Land and Legacy Group, a part of Compass out in, is it West Bend, Wisconsin? Is that where you're you coming from? You got it.
0: Just how you pronounced oh. my last name, how it's spelled. West Bend is pronounced exactly how it's spelled too over in Wisconsin. So you yes, got it.
1: I, I was less worried about West Bend. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to have a Wisconsin accent though. I don't know if there is an accent. Up we don't or have not.
0: accents. Everybody else does.
1: All right. So the, yeah, as you, you, you're like, you're not from Wisconsin or you are. Well, I'm glad you joined me. When did you get into real estate, man?
0: So I got uh, into real estate uh, at the end, or, or I should say, summer of uh, 2014, um, right before uh, I graduated from college. So Wisconsin had a changing uh, law uh, where, in that in that summer, they were going to change it, where you know an agent would then have to be under a broker for two years um, before they could go get their broker's license. So I ended up doing uh, the salesperson and the broker's license all in basically a two month span, so I didn't have to do that requirement. Um, and then you know, everything came together right before I graduated uh, college in 2014.
1: So I know some states allow you to go right into being a broker as long as you have like a bachelor's degree in something. Was that the was that the caveat in Wisconsin? now it's changed. You have to be under a brokerage, but was there anything extra special you had to do to be a broker before?
0: It was really the only requirement was going to just be that experience level. Um they wanted to have those two years and then there's like a point system. So you know I think a, a residential transaction counts as two or four points and you have to have a total, I think, of 40 over that last two years to, to in order to qualify for your broker's license. So Really, I was able to take the salesperson and then the next, basically the next day I took the broker's one. And then I ended up submitting my application for the broker's one.
1: Cool. So you started in 2014. What was your first year like?
0: It was hard, (laughs) crappy. I think I made about uh, $2,000. And I believe that was my brother's house that I helped him buy. Um, It was tough. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I think the only thing that really kept me going through that was just I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wanted to be entrepreneurial. Uh, I wanted to build something that was mine. Um, and it, it that first year was hard. The second year was just as hard, um, because I really had no idea what I was doing.
1: Yeah. So these. So what was so first year you did a transaction. And uh, did you end up joining a team in other brokerage or because you were a broker, you just did it up by yourself?
0: So I was still, even though I was a broker, I was still connected uh, with a company. I I did form uh, my own LLC and everything like that. Um, And I I was going to get it licensed, but I really, at that time, I really only wanted to get into the investment side of things. And so being a, a broker that was doing deals was actually not my first intent. It was just more of a an experience builder. You know, you get access to the MLS and stuff like that. And then it just kind of evolved into, maybe I should do some sales because in order to get in the investment properties that I want, I need money and I can always go back and do sales and it's not the end of the world. And so I partnered with a uh, a company called Mossio Properties, which focused on a lot of recreational land, uh, rural property type of stuff. So that's always the niche that I've always focused on um, was the rural property part of it. And by, you could see my business grow, obviously, you know, at the end of the year, when you're doing your taxes, you see, you know, the 1099s come in. That first two years, you know, I was with that company, that Masio Properties. Um, and then I went to a, a more growing company called uh, United Country, uh, which again was more focused on the rural part of uh, of real estate in our area, and developed my skills, connected with more brokers, agents, got more of an inside look of how a team runs, how a brokerage runs, and then actually in the, at the end of two thousand nineteen, beginning of two thousand and twenty, um, I started Land and Legacy Group, um, and was just you know independent uh, at that time. It was just me growing it. And basically it's evolved into what it is, you know, three or four years later, um, today.
1: Yeah. So and and what did, what did you do for transactions last year?
0: Uh, so we did, I believe it was 38 transactions last year.
1: Was it mostly, you know, land recreational type properties?
0: Probably about 75% of that, um, was land. Uh, that's where we spend, I'd say 90% of our time is on the land rural property. Uh, but we'll get a lot of repeat clients that need help buying a house. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to buy a piece of land to build a build a home on. And so then, what we'll do is we'll help them find the land, and then we'll also help them sell their property when they're making that transition to their new house.
1: And what do you think you're going to do, 2023?
0: Oh, uh, our goal for 2023 is 52. Um, I want to do a transaction every week. Uh, we're going to be very close to that. It's uh, as I'm sure a lot of agents have felt. It's a little tight right now. But uh, we have some really nice closings coming up uh, this week and in the rest of July. Um, and so I think we'll hit that 52 mark.
1: What's the average sales price?
0: Right now we're about 250 uh, 250,000. Uh, we've had some smaller lots sell that were like you know 30 to uh, 70,000 building lots. So that does kind of bring our uh, average down quite a bit.
1: And what, so what does 250 buy you up there? What's your average product?
0: So 250, it's hard to find a good house for 250. Um, on the land side of things, uh, you're probably talking anywhere from five to 15 acres, uh, which to me isn't huge. To somebody in, you know, the Chicago area or, or big metro area, uh, that might seem really big. But we we tend to have a really high price per acre or per price for you know like a average size lot in our area.
1: And where, where is West Bend in Wisconsin? Are there, what, so The, they, the what easiest way areas?
0: to describe it is, if you know where Milwaukee is, basically a half hour north of that uh, is where West Bend is. So, our main we, we basically go by county. Um, and so we kind of cover a 12-county area based on just the limited inventory that we have. That will give us anywhere from like an hour to an hour and a half uh, drive from the West Bend area. Uh, we have gone as far as uh, two, two and a half hours for a property. Um, we got one right now that's about two and a half hours away, uh, but it's a really big 300 acre track that uh, is about 800,000.
1: So how, how, so, and then what, how, what's the population like up there? Is it, is West Bend, uh, is it big? Is it small?
0: Well, I think it's big, you know, we're at 40,000. Um, I think that's big.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so to me, that's big.
1: Cool. So these so tell me about that second year that second year you decided you wanted to start doing transactions. really, you wanted to be an investor. you knew early on you wanted to be able to you know invest your money and stuff, but you wanted to make a monthly income and being an agent was a way to start to make that monthly income. So how did you get let's say your first 10 deals as you started working? Where were you getting those leads? what type of deals were they?
0: Yeah so I actually when I graduated college, so this will be you know first second year, I, I I was trying to stick it out, not go back and get a, a W two job. Um, I end up ended up doing a W two job for a little bit. Uh, I think it was about six months, and that was a delivery position at a at a local lumberyard. And I still credit my my growth to that because it was a very fast growing company, and I got to see what they were doing and how they were treating customers, how they were treating employees. And I ended up leaving to that uh, for a a sales job at a power sports dealership. And I credit that as well, because I didn't know anything about sales. Uh, I was very, very shy. Um, I hated calling people. I hated talking to anybody that wasn't like a family or a friend. And so my second year is where I feel like I really grew a lot to cold call. People have meaningful conversations, listen to what people are saying, ask questions and. What I ultimately decided to do is I was kind of in like a like a rock in a hard place, right? I had the predictable income from the sales job, and then I was also doing closings. Uh, I think I closed eight transactions that second year, and those checks were nice, you know, so they were su- supplementing everything, and I kind of felt limited on the real estate side because I was devoting, you know, six days a week to the sales job or the W-2 job, and so I, that summer, I ended up just saying, you know what, I'm going to go all in on the real estate side of things. And that second year was good at the second half of the year because I was, I was fully in. You know, I really had nothing to lose. So I just wanted to do well. I wanted to make a little bit of money to support myself. And that rolled into the third year, which is where, you know, basically I tripled what I did, you know, the first two years uh, combined. Um, and it just was a combination of, a lot of google, a lot of late nights wondering what other agents are doing, listening to podcasts like this and rolling out some direct mail campaigns and calling on uh, for sale by owners.
1: So the so what's your what's your method today? What's your biggest marketing strategy today as you're getting those 52 transactions a year?
0: Yeah, we're actually in I would say a transition period right now. So up, up until this point like I've been the biggest supporter of direct mail, we still do direct mail in 22, I should say 2021, uh, we spent 60,000 on direct mail campaigns. And we also did some radio. Um, We had a really big year. So I needed some tax deductions. It's a good problem to have, right, but also very nerve wracking. So I still send uh, five letters a day. Uh, to either an expired listing, it might just be a property that I drove past. I'm like, I just want to know who owns this. and I want to strike up a conversation with them or at least get to know them a little bit. Um, So that, you know, 25 letters a week, 100 a month. And we've actually transitioned into uh, texting campaigns right now uh, through launch control, which I I love that platform. Um, There's others out there. There's probably some cheaper ones to do it. But we've also brought on some VAs to handle that for us, to make sure that you know it's being ran efficiently and then I can you know go and do other stuff with the business and not just focus on texting people all day. Um, so I'm super excited about that. And we've kind of transitioned from the, I'd say the send a letter and wait for a response to let's just try to get a response right away and build a relationship.
1: Yeah, I love text marketing. I love text marketing, especially for like foreclosures and people with really short term times of just saying like, Hey, you're, you're scheduled for foreclosure in a couple of weeks. Have you, have you thought about selling your house? Yeah. You know, and, and the, you get the people that do reply back are very quick. They're very interested. Uh, When you get on launch control, how do you get, how are you finding your leads? Like, how are you first getting your leads to be able to send a text? And what is your first text like when you send it out? So
0: we use um, launch control, uh, launch control, prop stream. Yep. Uh, which goes into Launch Control. So we'll pull that raw, that raw list from Launch Control, and, and we're focusing on rural property. So I keep it, I keep the filters pretty minimal. Um, we'll do a, a minimum lot size, which we do thirty acres. So we got to convert that the square footage and stuff for PropStream, um, and then we usually do out of county um, or out of state, and we'll pull that list, download it. Um, our VAs will upload it to Launch Control. From there, they'll skip trace it and then load it right into a campaign um, to get that first message out, which in Launch Control, you have to have, there's five different messages. Um, four of them have to be custom. And then one's a, kind of a fallback in case, you know, somebody doesn't match the, the criteria, like the merge fields that you have. Um, and it's a it's a very simple generic message. You know, I don't want to be a salesy type person. Um, it's more of like, Hey, this is Al. It, obviously it'll be the VA's name. Um, saw you own this property in this county wondering if you'd entertain an offer for it. And it it's super easy, just like that.
1: Hey listeners, Aaron here. I just want to tell you about something I'm super, super excited about. You know, a couple months ago, I had a bunch of people in my office in Austin and I taught what I called my foreclosure masterclass. It was to teach investors how to make money with distressed real estate investing through foreclosures and other sorts of leads that are out there of people that are desperate to sell or need to sell and maybe they don't even know it yet and that process well I, we had so much fun when people everyone came to the office so many people said they wanted to do it again i recorded the class it's now live and available for purchase so if you're interested in learning about becoming an investor and learning about becoming an investor agent being able to educate yourself uh, some more around foreclosures about distressed real estate and how to get those go to the foreclosure foreclosuremasterclass.com the foreclosure foreclosuremasterclass.com all right back to the podcast what percentage do you think the numbers are the right name. The, the, the numbers is the, is the right phone number when you stick trace.
0: I would say we're probably about on a li- on a raw list. We'll get about a fifty to sixty percent match, and that'll be anywhere from three to five phone numbers per person. And I, I'd say on average, we probably get the right number seventy percent of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a system similar to both PropStream and Launch Control. Where somebody can you know go to a county go to a city they can filter they can push into our crm and do these rotating texts and for people wondering about like outbound texting you know you can outbound text anybody from your phone without having to worry about any sort of you know and it, you know, it scrapes the do not call list so as long as they're not do not call you can text anybody and say here's what i want to do the gray area is when you're automating it people don't like they don't want you to be able to hit a button and send 100 text messages on one button. So one of the things that like Launch Control has done or we've done on PropHawk is it sets up these rotating text messages that Al's talking about. So they're kind of like all customized to certain points. It's like you can come up with, here's the five different texts and they're going to be personalized based on the name and, and the beginning of the text and the end of the text could be different. It's like combining it and you have to actually click text. Every time you want to send one, you have to like click the button. And those are some of the things that Launch Control's done or we've done with PropHawk uh, to, and having a quick opt out option that we've been able to do to be able to text people quickly and be able to really you know get after a list quickly. So you're filtering your list first, and then you're sending that text, uh, and then you're saying, "Hey, you own this. You know, have you thought about doing something uh, with it?" So you've recently just started that 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 job.
0: So I started that in uh, April of this year, and that was me doing it by myself, um, and so. It was very inconsistent. And, but what I was doing is I was, A, I wanted to learn the platform because I felt like it was a really good platform. I felt like it was a, a way that a lot of people are gonna you know invest in and start doing. And then started sending more messages, took a couple different lists, you know, to see what would work with one list versus the other. I just wanted to collect data and I just wanted to learn. And then at the end of June, is when we actually uh, hired a VA that that's all they did. You know, they were trained on it and they actually brought over some ideas, uh, some templates, uh, what they've seen before, some workflows. And I mean, that that VA has basically sent out like twice what I sent out in those three or four months before. And you know, we average about a nine to 10% response rate. Um, and I think, I haven't checked our leads today, but I believe yesterday we added, you know, three leads to our pipeline um, from a pretty small list. It wasn't a, a monster list at all, um, but we're trying to be targeted with the type of people that we want because we just don't want every every property. Um, so we're we're learning as we go, as well as you know, who's the right person to target for us, but then also what what gives us a really good response rate and good conversations.
1: So once you get a lead. And you said you put them into your like flow. What what CRM are you are you using for follow up? Is it just inside Launch Control, or do you have another system that you bring them in once they're a real? So one?
0: yeah, so we have a we have a couple drips in in Launch Control um, for the people that aren't super interested right now. What I like to do is I also buy properties, so I'm coming at this as I am an interested person because. I, I want to see what's out there and I want to see if there's anything that I can do to to get a handle on a property and, and add it to my portfolio for not just me, but future generations. So I'm thinking that far ahead now. I wasn't before. I just wanted to get a damn closing. And so I'll if, if there's somebody interested in selling, I'll, I'll look at it for myself. And basically I, I put a determination together. It's a little letter that I put together. And it either goes, I would love to talk to you about making an offer on this property or... If it's if I'm not, I'll say, "Look, I'm not interested at this time." I looked at it, and this is what I what I'm not a fan of. And we'll introduce some options if they if they don't want to sell it to me or to entertain an offer, and that's all they wanted to do um, is maybe get an offer. Then we just basically leave it alone. You know, they'll get we'll follow up with them if 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 they want us to. We do a weekly email uh, for our brokerage, so anybody that kind of goes over to that, you know, they get followed up on with that. Uh, but we will try to make a <laughs> connection. Uh, if they are interested in possibly listing, we'll introduce that from the brokerage side at that point, you know, a little bit after that determination letter gets sent to them.
1: Cool. So, the, so you kind of lead as an investor. So you're texting saying, hey, I'd like to buy your property. And then sometimes that works out as, oh, uh, you know. so we've, I've heard a lot of people doing like these hybrid offers mm-hmm. where they say, hey, I could I could buy it from you for $100,000. Or if you've got time, I could list it on the MLS for you for 140 dollars type thing. Do you do anything like that? Or do you like pick and choose through the conversation?
0: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done anything like that. Um, I have heard of, you know, that as an approach as well. I, I did do that when I first started by myself. And what I noticed about me, and when I was sending it is I didn't feel authentic in doing it. I, I almost felt like, I was doing a bait and switch type of deal where, oh, um, yeah, I'll I'll buy your property, but then I'm just going to pull out the rug and say, no, I don't want it. Like, Just list it with me and we'll get it taken care of. And I I didn't want to do that. That was never my intent. And it was kind of up until like May of this year is when I really started to get more into creative ways to buy properties. I've been following Pace Morby a lot. Um, He's got some amazing ideas on creative finance. And I just said, you know what? This is something I can do and I want to own property. We own uh, about $2 million worth of rentals right now. And I want to add to that. And so going in with that intent and going in with that kind of mindset changed our texting a lot and how I, how I view a, a lead. It's more of. Now, okay, I am being sincere. I would love to own this property, but I got to make sure it works for me. Um, or if somebody has a property I just don't like, like I'm just going to pass on it, you know, and that, and that's perfectly fine. And we can introduce a listing option if that's something that they they want to pursue.
1: So the what's something you wish you would have known when you first got started, you know, back in 2014, like now that you've been, been around for a while and you've tried a bunch of different methods, as you look back, what's something you wish you had known at the beginning?
0: I would have fired myself from a lot of jobs uh, as far as tasks go a lot earlier. Uh, And what I mean by that is I wanted to do everything. I wanted to have a handle on all of my deals, all of my clients, nobody was doing it better than I was. Um, I would have looked for ways to take a task and offload it to somebody, VA, whatever, Uh, partner with other agents. I wish I would have done that a lot uh, sooner instead of me just maybe taking on a listing that I wasn't super comfortable with, it would have made sense to reach out to another agent and just share the listing and the commission rather than just you know try to be super uh, man and just get everything done by myself. Um, so, but I think the most important was kind of going back to you know highlight the tasks that I like to do and then fire myself from the other ones and offload those to uh, a VA. And don't be afraid to invest that money uh, into something like that and set up those systems and processes and stuff like that.
1: So one of the things that you said on the pre-questionnaire was if you were on stage, your topic would be, you know, how to invest actively and passively in your real estate marketing. So what does that mean?
0: So actively is, you I, I was just doing, um, so I'm part of the Realtors Land Institute. Um, so they, they're obviously folks sounds like it, you know, you know, They love rural property and so i've been doing a a four-part uh series about like active and passive outreach so this last one that we had uh this week uh we were talking about i was going into our active outreach which is where we spend most of our money and that's going to be with the texting and the direct mail so we're actively pulling lists doing campaigns spending money on that and so that's where you're you know you might get a deal you know, right off of your first campaign, or, you know, I've had people call me three years from when they got a letter from me, but we're doing that all the time. And I also would add in community events, you know, stuff like, you know, being on a podcast, reaching out to uh, people that you can collaborate with to get your name out there. Um, So that's a lot of the active stuff. And then when we talk about passive, I think of, or at least I, I talk about having a sign in the ground, I believe is is passive. Um, yeah, it's actively on a listing, but the more people that see your sign, it's more of like your own little billboard uh, for everything. And then also having YouTube videos, it's active to make them, but once they're on YouTube, they're there and they're they're being you know SEO content. Um, so we I do a video every uh, week on Friday, and some do great, some don't do anything. Um, but if somebody searches my name, they're gonna most likely see that type of content. And so it's pretty passive for me. Once it's made, it's done. Um, and then same thing with like blog articles, having a website, social media posts. Yeah, they're active to make them. But once they're out there, they're on the Internet. And when people search, you know, when, if you're doing right SEO and keywords, it's just there to help build your build your brand for when that active outreach is taking place. Anybody gets a letter from me nine times out of ten, I'm guessing they're going to Google my name before they give me a call.
1: Yeah, that's really smart. It's and, and we tell people that all the time. If they're going to go door knock, if they're going to call, if they're going to start texting, you know, having a website that it can go back to or a website that has the phone number that you're texting from even so they can see, you know, who's this guy texting me? They can research you. Uh, our, that's our, our lead propeller sites are kind of set up for that. There people can like, you know, right away they can have a legitimate looking website right away, especially on that investment side. If they're trying to say like, hey, Hey, I'm I'm an investor. How much are you spending every month on that like active marketing piece on the on the uh, outbound stuff, like the texting and the letters?
0: Yeah, so we're right now we're about thirty five hundred bucks
1: a month. All right, so thirty five hundred bucks a month. Any idea how many leads you get out of that?
0: Uh, I'll have more data, you know, at the end of July, beginning or August. Um, but we've already added just from the texting in July about twenty leads. Okay. Now, if they'll turn into something, you know, we'll see, but yeah, we've had 20, and I'd say about four or five of those have actually been high quality conversations where I'd actually probably go out to like dinner with those people. Like that's how good of the conversations we're having.
1: Yeah. What do you think? What, what do you think the market's going to be doing up there over the next six months, six to nine months?
0: We were just reviewing uh, this yesterday at one of our sales meetings. And right now, our our listings from a year ago are down about 20 to 25%. And I I feel it, you know, like we don't have as many listings as we used to. We haven't gotten a lot of calls, you know, from people to list their properties. Uh, But we have a couple coming up and I've kind of, it's going to sound kind of weird, but I, over the almost 10 years I've been doing this, I pay attention to what the market's going to do, but I really don't worry about it too much because at the end of the day, I still got to reach out to people. I still got to have that active and passive Um, And that's why I've invested a lot in the text messaging probably in the last, you know, three months is if everyone else is going to probably think the market's going to go slower or get out of the business because of that. Like, I want to be the person that's just still building, whether it's a good market or a down market. Um, I think we'll get hopefully some more listings coming up, but it's it's really weird in the land market because sometimes we are seasonal crops. You know, people want to farm. I'm talking to a, a, a property owner right now. And she was saying, well, I don't really want to sell right now because we have the farmer that's got corn on it. So a couple different issues going on there, rather than like a house, yeah. people got to move and have a place to live. But I, I see it staying kind of the same, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we'll still have that low inventory. Pricing's been good, you know, from a ownership equity standpoint. And I think you just got to find a creative way to, to connect with people and that'll help you out.
1: That's really unique that like the seasonal part of land, like seasonal part of residential is like, I want to wait till my kid's out of school for the year or we want to move before the next school year if they're applying is a big thing. Or like sometimes during the months, like in July and August, people don't buy houses as much in Texas because it's like so hot to go outside, they don't want to go outside, right? But then there's also like these markets in Colorado where people are visiting right now. So they're, you know, the summer months are their busy times. And then thinking about land, as yeah, it it you know, I guess I guess a farmer wanting to make sure that they get the most out of their crop or the most out of their growing season could be like somebody waiting to sell their Airbnb until summer's over. Right? They're like, no, we've got we've got a lot of revenue we're gonna make in the next sixty to ninety days, and then we wanna be able to kind of sell it and move on. So that land does make for pretty I remember taking old classes and it talked about, you know, I remember one of the questions even being about like if you buy a property with a crop on it. Who owns the crop, right? And and that stuff getting put in, put in, into the contracts, yep. uh, you know, based on the closings and some other stuff. So you get to see kind of a Probably lot of- Probably no surprise. Stuff. We have a farm
0: listing contract and a farm offer to purchase, which addresses a lot of that stuff, which I feel like we have to, right? That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Wisconsin, so.
1: Yeah, do people switch it back? And forth. Now, you talked about having a lead list nationwide. Are you planning to still buy stuff nationwide or do you wholesale those when you find them or or send them out as referrals? I guess, and you're just getting started with that, but what's your plan?
0: Yeah. So, what's nice about PropStream, and then like you mentioned on the intro, our our team is now part of Compass. And so, their CRM has a, a, it's called likely to sell. And so, they go through our... con. It's it's all AI, obviously. There's not some person doing this, but it'll look through our contacts list and it'll say, based on this contact's property, they are likely to sell in the next six months to a year. Uh, so what we do, or what I do with, with our Prop stream list, as soon as I pull those, we'll get them skip traced. And I put those actually into our CRM. And so they will match the contacts up and see if they're likely... To sell now being that we're in wisconsin and we're looking at vacant properties that most likely don't have an address or anything like that it's actually going and matching up their mailing address or probably their primary residence and so if i have uh, someone that owns property in wisconsin but lives in illinois which is very common i'll see that hey this person's primary residence in illinois is some is a likely to sell match and what I've been doing over the last year since we've joined Compass is really reaching out to Compass agents, building a network, uh, you know, sending an email, hopping on a call. And so if I do have somebody like that, I'm not licensed in Illinois, but I can make a connection for that agent and say, here, this is uh, likely to sell lead. We'll do a referral. Uh, and we both win from that. So I think I have 27 of those right now uh, that I need to go through. And as we obviously have more people, that's only going to fill Fill
1: that pipeline hey real estate rock stars we only have a few minutes left in this episode but before we get to the grand finale i just wanted to say as always thank you thank you thank you for listening you know podcasts are obviously free you don't have to pay to listen to the podcast but if you could pay one thing if i could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast what i would ask you to do is go please make a review go to wherever you listen to podcasts whether it's on youtube or or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them, I listen to them, I try to make adjustments. You know, A couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that, and I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you wanna get a, a copy of the toolbox, of the stuff that you know everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics, they give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right. Back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. so something that you talked about there that I think people should listen to right if you find a system that works you know the especially if you find a system that kind of works at scale that's heavily automated because if you're sending a hundred text messages or messages or a thousand text messages it's not that it takes 10 times longer to do that right you're maybe spending you know twice the amount of time for 10 times the amount of effort. And a lot of times, yeah, we had this happen in just the last couple of days where we had, uh, we're pretty active in Austin and we had somebody in Houston say, okay, we want you to, we want you to list this property instead. Uh, I guess one of the advantages of being part of a big brokerage that we don't talk about often enough is a really simple way to know you actually know an agent everywhere. You actually have an agent everywhere, uh, even if you don't. So if it's, if you get a lead back in a town that you've never, ever been to, it's pretty likely you're going to be able to look up on your compass site or some of these with Keller Williams or with anybody else, look up on your brokerage site, find somebody local that's part of your brokerage um, local to that and being able to send it off as a referral. So if any of you guys have started to master, you know, a certain type of marketing, I think you should consider, you know, looking and marketing in some of these other areas and just to be able to create that, especially as revenues down. I've also heard of people wanting to move to different areas because they're like, well, the average price point, that I'm doing is 300 and in these towns are seven or 800. But again, if you've got a marketing system that works, you know, it might be worth trying some of those more expensive areas and then just handing them off as referrals. So, you know, if you were going to give advice to, to agents for today, right? Like the, you know, you've already said what you wish you would have known sooner, but like for the market right now, you're talking about you're just going to try to grow even uh, if times are slow. Like, so for somebody new that's out there. That's considering getting into real estate right now, or they just got into real estate in the last year and you know they're they're struggling a little bit. What advice would you give them?
0: I love that you brought up automations. And that if I was just getting started or struggling, I, I would still kind of focus on what I what I talked about before, which was you know, firing myself from tasks I didn't want to do. There are so many affordable, a lot of times free software where you can automate a lot of your business for example we use Airtable, uh and what we do with Airtable is if a lead comes in from a va they fill out this form we get notified and it's got all of our notes in there that we need to to set up a call uh if there's a free version of that we pay for the pro one it's still very cheap using i forgot what i was going to say about it but um basically like a uh, many chat so we're going to install a bot on our website that if somebody hits on it and we we just switched over to luxury presence because it was part of compass and we have wanted a, a higher end feel to it um but we're going to install a chat bot on that and M- many chat is 15 a month and you can do automated texting automated emails and prompt people to have conversations on your platform and so i would start to take the slow time if you are if you are slow or struggling and map out some projects or tasks that you want to offload and and figure out when a lead comes in how do you want that lead to get handled and we even went as far as setting up uh an office phone number with uh answer connect and so that's a 24 7 365 answering service Uh, and any lead that comes in gets answered right away and that gets forwarded to uh, my email with details about that call so there's a theme that i've worked on this year and it's really about offloading automating a lot of what we do to not only make my life easier, but the consumers, I, I would say, is expecting that as well uh, to have that instant, even if it is a chat bot, to have that instant recognition of, hey, I'm being serviced and I'm being you know, recognized for me visiting the site or getting at least some sort of a question answered. Um, and if you're struggling and you're slow, it's really fun to work on those projects. And it, it'll kind of, at least for me, it motivated me to A, get them done, but to B, make them really, really nice. And you kind of expect to have future business with that, which makes you work even harder. And it's something you can talk about with your clients and say, look, we're working on these types of systems. And it's so over everybody's head right now. That's not into the tech, into the automation, where it's just amazing what you can do with every piece of software right now.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and right now is probably one of the best times to be able to build out systems like that. I've found myself a lot of times lately going, I don't have anything to do today. Even I've got a bunch of companies, I've I've got a bunch of businesses, but there's like the main goals of like, well, I need to get this property sold or I need to get this property finished or I need to get this thing refinanced. Like I've done all the things I can do and I'm waiting, right? And I'm kind of waiting in between or waiting for that next interaction. And one of the things that's really cool to do during slow times is really set up some of those systems. Is set up like, what if I had a VA you know, answering the emails back and forth. Cause even though right now I have the time to answer them, what if I could set up the systems now and like put it in these operation guidelines and things like that to where when it does get busy again, I can plug in or like getting someone to do the things that are still, you know, below me, below my pay grade, that sort of thing. So that I can work on driving new business and things like that. So I think that's a great piece of advice right now for people, you know, as it's slow Dig into the technology, see what systems that you can automate or hire out for your assistant, like what you're talking about, and building it out now while you have time to build it out. Because I know when we're super, super busy, we don't have time to record how to respond to an email and teach an assistant how to do it. We just need to knock it out, but we're like running around like chickens with our heads cut off, and then we forget uh, what else to do. So it will get busy again. And if we can grow market share right now and come up with good systems, then as the leads turn up, you know we'll be ready you know, Al, this has been a great conversation today. I think it's been great for you to be able to teach, you know, tell people about the systems that you've used, the fact that you're kind of a hybrid agent, hybrid investor out there. Um, you know, as we finish up here, any final thoughts for any of our listeners and, or how should they get a hold of you? If they want to hear more, if they've got questions, they want to get advice from you on any of those like dialers or things like that that you're setting up.
0: Yeah. Email, email is the best for me. Um, I probably live too much in my email inbox, but I'm working on that. Um, and it's just al at uh, Shoot me an email. Just mention you heard me here. If you Google my name, you'll get connected to all of uh, my YouTube channel, Instagram stuff like that. So it's it's pretty easy for you to get a hold of me and find me. But yeah, I I've enjoyed this. Um, I hope there's at least something that somebody can take away from it and and run with it. And I, I've been in the bottom. I'm sure you have too. It sucks, but um I've always viewed it and I, it's probably easier for me to say it more because I've been through it you know for 10 years but just be patient stick with it and it as long as you don't quit like you will come out uh, on the other side of every of everything and be better for it.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that we got to cover so many things today. And listeners, you've got his email. So if you've got questions on kind of setting up some of those things, you know, the I love. We're doing the same system inside our own software. We're doing it where we're pulling the foreclosure lists. A couple, you know, the day the lists come out, we're sending them text messages. We'll grab the likely to sell list. We'll do this outbound text messages. We just hired some VAs for outbound calling, and it takes time you know, to start building that up. But now it's turning into, you know, like the referral we got in Houston is based on, you know, we had a VA do an outbound call and it was like the only lead, they didn't get a lead in our area, but they got one somewhere where we're getting a hand off to somebody today and still going to pay for some of that marketing expense. So I hope some people have at least broadened that idea too, of if there is something that you're crushing in your market, maybe that's something that you can crush in someone else's market and hand it off as a referral as well. So Al, thanks so much for joining me on the show today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Real estate rock stars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.